Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. I am your host Janice Sutherland and my guest this week is Dr. Kathy Ann C. Hernandez and she was born and raised in the Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago and she has many years of experience as a scholar and practitioner at various academic, academic should I say, levels in the Caribbean and the United States. She's an educational psychologist, professor of leadership and an author with her area of expertise in the leadership development of black women and the path to living a meaningful life, particularly interested in the role of mentorship and sponsorship in the leadership identity development of women. She's published and done a lot of work in this area, look at this area. And as I said, she has been a full-time professor for most of her professional life, but she's pivoting to becoming an entrepreneur focused on the leadership development of women by targeting three areas of growth, relationship with self, others, and one's God. And the first building block in this pursuit is a book that she's recently published, Waiting by the Brook, Seven Steps to Deeper Intimacy with God. And it's that pivot journey that brings her to the podcast today. So, Dr. Kathy Ann, welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you so much for that great introduction. I, I, I want to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always the way. It's not till sometimes we hear it out of somebody's mouth, the, the things we've done or what we've achieved, that we realized how far we've come. So it's always a great way to introduce people and give them an insight into a little bit more appreciation to who they are who they are give them the flowers as they say <laughs> absolutely I really uh, appreciate the affirm affirmation because I do know as women we tend to minimize the positive things about ourselves and maximize the negatives and and that's one of the things I am learning for myself yeah. at this stage of the journey excellent 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 so You've had a very varied career or a very esteemed career, and you're considering um, a change or a reinvention or a pivot, whatever you wish to call it. What has prompted that, that, that change, that pivot? Well, and the number of things. I, I do believe that at different seasons of our life, we are called to be different things. Yeah. And I think as we get in touch with authentic selves, we learn to listen to those promptings that it's time to change, it's time to move on. And I have felt that prompting for some time in different circumstances and in a lot of cases, things that were outside of my control, doors were not opening for me, but I knew that I was being called to do something more, something different at yeah. this point in my life. The other thing is I think, um, especially when you reach a certain age, you realize that certain paradigms that were handed down to you, perhaps by parents, though well-intentioned, mm -hmm. and though they served you well in the first stage of yeah. your journey, you need to abandon them and adopt new paradigms for the times. Yeah. And I would say one of those things was, I remember my dad telling me from very early in life, because this was the path he had taken, that I should get a government job. No, I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> Look, we're, we are all familiar with government jobs. <laughs> get a government job and you'll be set for life. And I really took that to heart. And for most of my life, you know, I, I was working for others and I became married. 
And my husband, he also followed that same paradigm mm. passed on to him by his father. But then about in 2008, he decided to leave his job um, for a number of reasons. And we both began to think about becoming owners. Mm. How could we own our content and the contributions we were making? And more importantly, what was the legacy I wanted to pass on to my daughters? Did I want to pass on the same paradigm that had been passed on to me? It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, and I want them to, to, to have that mindset. And perhaps 20 years from now, they may need to abandon that. But this is where I am in my journey, and this is the legacy that I can pass on to them. Fabulous. No, I love that. There's so much you said there. And I love the thing about you said about the paradigms. And it's so true that um, it's either societal or um, family will give us all these things and things we should do and what looks good and what, you know, what good looks like and what the, and how we deem, how we deem success. And, and I love the fact, the fact you talk about that. So, Kathy, what have you found? Are you making this pivot? You're making this change. Um, and you kind of hinted at a different season of life, being a different season of life. But what do you think is unique about making that change at this stage in your life? I think, well, at a certain point, certainly as you get older, um, developmentally, you realize you just don't have that many more years ahead of you if, <laughs> if, life, if God spares life, right? If not now, when? And uh, I, like I said, there are certain skill sets that I have developed over the years that I can look back on now and say, well, how can I maximize that? How can I take that up to the next level mm -hmm. uh, and at a very hard level to me based on what you've read and a lot of things that uh, I have accomplished in life it seems as though I have it going on right? <laughs> I mean I'm a tenured professor I I am a leadership uh, co-chair of my department but at the heart level yeah what are you being called to do mm. at this stage of the journey and sometimes the metrics to assess that success is not these things yes yes it's something yes. that you know <laughs> and uh the the number of authors who have who have addressed this for instance i'm thinking about david brooks he called it the second mountain in the first phase of life mm -hmm. we we want to accomplish we want to prove that we can do we can accomplish and we get to that mountain, but in the second mountain of life, we begin to think about being true to that authentic self and how we can answer a higher moral calling. Mm. And when I say moral, I'm not talking about God so much. I'm talking about being the person on the inside that you want to be on the yeah. outside. Yeah. That authentic calling. And I've always loved writing. I've always loved teaching. I never thought I could make money and live <laughs> off of it. And the pragmatics of also growing up from what would call, people would consider uh, at risk background, yeah. I had so much to prove that yeah. I, I could do it. I could write PhD after my name, but after that, what? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I find myself, although I have kept with writing in my field, it's not really been the kind of writing that has called it to my heart. Right. Right. It's more of a creative, personal kind of autobiographic that really connects and resonates with people mm. from a very human level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my writing that you read in my journals, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anybody really enjoys reading them. It's the thing you do. But this speaks to me and this this is definitely where I know I need to be at this point in my journey. And I'm sure if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. whatever that thing is for yeah. you, whatever yeah. it is. And, and that's so beautifully put, because one of the things um, the one of the things I talk to a lot of women about and, 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 and work with them now is finding a career that's more aligned to their values and their personal career priorities, because those are very different to, as you said, what we would have had in our first phase, uh, for, uh, probably the same for you, you know, success for our parents was having that PhD, was having the house, was having the car, the, you know, was having the good job, be that government or otherwise, that was deemed success. Yes. Whereas as I think we get later down life, success for us is, am I happy doing this? Yes. Does it call to me? Is it my passion? Does it fulfill me? Is it aligned with the values I want now? I know my values when I was in my 20s are certainly different now I'm in my 50s. And and good job too, probably. I'm not sure I'd still be alive if I was following those type of values. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. So making this change, Kathy Ann, what do you think, if anything, do you fear most about making the change or changing that, changing careers? There are a number of, of, of fears, I, I, I must admit. Um, firstly, well, for, for me personally, and I'm sure maybe some women can relate at this stage of life, there are different demands on your time. There, there's age, there are aging parents. Mm-hmm. There are, in my case, young kids. <laughs> and so, so some of those, you know that there's a certain amount of time investments that's needed when you're starting a business. It's a lot. So navigating what is important and what is necessary to do. And those are two words that I, I have thought about and think about quite at length, because uh, as important as what I'm trying to do is to me, I think what is necessary, mm-hmm. what must be done at this phase, if I don't do it, I'm going to miss out, is that I, because I value it, is to be there in a very meaningful way for right. my daughters. Yeah. And so there is always that tension. Um, there's that tension. Uh, one of the other things, uh, quite practically speaking, is technology. I'm not a digital native. <laughs> uh, you know, there's just so much. I, I sit in these groups with 30-year-olds and 25-year-olds, and <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? You know, it's humbling. It's 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 a little unnerving, especially having been in leadership positions and often being the most knowledgeable person in the room mm. about a topic to now yes <laughs> recognizing what I don't know but I also think that's a good thing because I think once you recognize that that's the space where you can begin to learn and grow absolutely absolutely so you're going for it you're going to make that change but what do you think 
if, if you didn't go for it, if you didn't make that change, you didn't take that leap or just trusted yourself, what regrets do you think you would have? Um, I think so. One of the most influential books that I have read that really has, has sort of become a mantra and has helped me think about what do I want to do with this one precious life that I've been given? That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, uh, it's by Henry David Thoreau, it's called Walden. He said, I want to live deliberately to suck the marrow out of life so that when it comes time to die, I will not find that I have not lived. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, when you look at um, some of the research I've done on the deathbed literature, when people come to die, the things that they talk about is not the articles or the accolades of what they have achieved. Often it comes back to some fundamental things, relationships, Yeah, relationships. And I think to write our story and to write it well, the first relationship we have to attend to is our relationships with ourselves. Yes. Or authentic yes. selves, that we're not kidding ourselves. Yeah. We're not pretending. <laughs> we are being true to that calling. And I think to live well is to work well. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to sum it up, I would say, I just want to live well and to be true to, to the values that I hold to be dear, which is a relationship to myself, yeah. to my others in my life and to my God. And that necessitates doing the hard, the hard thing. Yeah. And pursuing this work that calls to me. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Uh, And you talk about, you talked, mentioned a few times about your authentic self. And, you know, it's sometimes, dare I say it, a played out phrase because you hear it a lot, but people don't actually really know what does my authentic self, what does it mean? So in your words, how would you explain that for you? Yes. Yeah, so um, that's a great question. And it's, it's, it's very, actually, I'm challenged to explain it well, but I will try. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I am mindful of is to really spend a lot of time doing introspection. Mm-hmm. So I journal, um, I, I reflect on where I am with my goals or And so because I want to be in touch with the person that other people don't see. Mm. So everything that you have read about me, and this is something that happens a lot in in public circles where when when we are introduced, the things that people say about us are almost, I would say, synonymous with our inauthentic self. Yeah. (laughs) They are the trappings. They are the outer layers. You know, I'm a doctor. I am this, I am that. Uh, My soul, I am also a a little girl who was abandoned by her mother as a baby, Mm -hmm. right? I have lots of residuals about that. I am a person who who questions herself about, am I good enough? Am I I worthy enough? Because I was rejected by my own mother. Mm -hmm. So apart from the outer layer, there's all this stuff that's going on inside that it's our task as individuals to deal with Mm. and and to try to make sense of and to get professional help get all the help that you can need to really excavate Mm. 
yeah. that 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 person from all the other outside trappings yeah. that we see and we come to think well that's Kathy Ann <laughs> <laughs> and I love that it's about like you say it's about re- being sometimes the things we don't do and, and I know this is being a coach is that I always tell women I don't have the answers but I do have the questions and it's what you, how you respond to those questions that really gives you the insight into yourself because we all know it. Yes. But it's like you say, it's just taking that time to have a little introspection to really sit down and be honest with ourselves because that can be the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Honest, yes, <laughs> honest with ourselves. And yeah. sometimes also it involves getting feedback from those who are close yes. to us in our yeah. circle of trust. Yeah. Because uh, we, we often don't see ourselves the way we actually present. But mm-hmm. at the same time, taking that information and filtering it through and de- deciding what is useful and what is not. Yeah. So there's a lot of work <laughs> I think that we, you know, and it's good work. Yeah. It's good work because you come to a certain place where you can face your yourself with those imperfections mm. and be grateful for who you are and who you're continually striving to become. Yeah, definitely. And I tell people, own who you are, warts yeah. and all, everything, because that's what makes you unique. So yeah. own all of it, because without that, you wouldn't be you. Absolutely. <laughs> Fabulous, fabulous. So you're, you're, you're on this transition, you're going through everything and stuff like that. But what do you think, what's one thing do you think could make or would have made your journey easier? Um, I think uh, given my introspective nature and also <laughs> I am a bit of a perfectionist, I think a lot ah, of women, yes. we struggle with that just wanting everything to be lined up and that I know exactly what I'm doing. And um, I just realized this, as I began this journey that you just have to take the first step and then take the second step and you learn as you grow. So uh, I perhaps wish I had started um, earlier to take those steps because now I'm still taking little steps. But in a way, I, I also believe that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, you know, yeah, when the time yeah. is right, things work out. I think one other thing I am learning is to, to ask for help, mm-hmm. to seek help. You can't do it all. Yes. Um, and uh, I, again, the perfectionist, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would take my husband's advice long ago to get a cleaning service to help and mm-hmm. not pretend that I could clean the bathroom and do yeah. everything and whip out apple pie and write a book and <laughs> and it, it's such a <laughs> it's such a, a self-defeating myth because it makes other women feel so incompetent as if they're not accomplished when when they see yeah. from the outside that you appear to to be doing it all when there's always a cost yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Sorry, carry on. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, as you said that, there was also one of the, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about paradigms early. It was one of the things my mother used to tell me. and And I know I was guilty of it, even when I had, look, I was a CEO of a multi-million dollar company and I was still cleaning my own home. 
because my mother had told me nobody should see your, you know, wash your private garments or should be in your home that you didn't know, you know. So I still did all the things and wondered why I was being burnt out at a, at a you know, at a, at a real, at a real rate. So um, that just flashed in my mind just then. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. And I also think that um, as as I grow in my business, because really I'm just at the beginning stages, but for other women listening, if you can't afford it, spend the money and get somebody yeah. to help you yeah. do some things. One of my friends, doc, her name Dr. Michelle Knight, she talks about your zone of excellence versus your, mm-hmm. your zone of genius. I think especially for high achieving women, yes. we are excellent in many things. Yep. Yes, yes. And so we want to do it all, but that's not necessarily our zone of genius. Our zone yeah. of genius is that thing that we were born to do. And so we have to be brave enough and, and courageous enough and smart enough to pass on yeah. those things that we're excellent at. Yeah. <laughs> and give it to somebody else and they may not do it at an excellent way as we would but that's okay yeah I, I think the hard thing there and I have this constant battle with my husband is that you know I will complain that he doesn't cook enough but when he cooks it's not good enough <laughs> you know so so um, I, I'm going to take that as a little lesson, a uh, little lesson, little reminder to myself that, you know, you, you asked for the help, mm-hmm. but you can't necessarily dictate the level right. of, 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 of help, per se, help per se. Um, and, and, and also, it's also freeing you up, giving yes. you valuable time yeah. to chat with me. <laughs> and exactly. What more could I, what more could I want? You know? So, yeah. So, so, I mean, that, I mean, I'm probably a little bit more, a bit more on that, Kathy Ann. Um, ask, A-S-K, those three little letters. And it's all the little words that cause us problems. Yes, no, yes. yo, no, ask, you know, why do you think we struggle so much to ask for the support we need or ask the help we, help we need? Well, I, I can speak from my point of view in terms of, I've, I've alluded to some of the reasons, you mm. know, knowing that because we generally, we can do things really well. We've trained ourselves to yeah. do it well. So yeah. we want it at a certain standard. And part of learning to delegate and lead is to, to I, I mean, I would say it to just lower your standard a bit. If it's mm. acceptable and it's it workable yeah it's fine yeah yeah (laughs) move along I say perfection is for losers and I remind myself for that because by the time I'm trying to perfect something somebody's already yes they're launching their book and they're moving ahead yeah Yeah. perfection is for losers and uh, the other thing I think for for small businesses starting out usually you really just don't have the resources Mm. so in my case you know right now I'm spending a lot of money in the initial setup and the money isn't coming in and so you 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 and you you really for me you don't know exactly how lucrative or how successful this is going to be so you want to have some kind of budgetary guidelines in terms of how much you go, are going to spend until you see a return. Yeah. Especially if you yeah. have a husband who's asking, <laughs> is this a hobby or is it a business? Oh, don't. <laughs> and so 
Uh, in terms of asking, I think especially at this stage of the game, asking also involves remuneration or compensation mm -hmm. sometimes, mm -hmm. and we don't have it. But also, thirdly, I think what you alluded to, that as women, we, we have just been trained to have this kind of um, I can do it. I can take yeah. care of everybody else. Yeah. And, and I don't need somebody to take care of me. And that is a mindset that we really need to experience a shift yeah. with if we're going yeah. to achieve success. Definitely. And I, I agree with you there. And um, I have a thing um, where I call the MacGyver mindset. And I don't mean the newfangled MacGyver. I mean the old fashioned MacGyver program. Those of us who are old enough to remember it. <laughs> and it. the MacGyver. And you would have, have you ever watched MacGyver? I have a long yeah, time ago. So, so, so my MacGyver mindset always is, if I see a problem and it just needs to fix, I need to focus on the outcome and the solution, not how pretty it was to get there. So it can look as ugly as anything, the solution, whatever. You know, I've got contraptions in my garden or it's a workaround, but my goal always is to say, does it get the job done? And if the answer is like yes, like the answer is yes, then that's been achieved. Like and it. that's my, that's where I focus it. So I have this MacGyver mindset. And even in business, I did it, you know, because you had to work very quickly. You couldn't wait, wait for the perfect part or the, you know, the best solution. You know, what were you trying to achieve? And did yes. you achieve it? Mm -hmm. And that's where I place my focus. I like it. <laughs> Taking that, I am adding that to my perfectionism is for losers. <laughs> yeah, the MacGyver mindset. It's, it's done me proud. It's done me proud over the years. And definitely more so as I've gone on the entrepreneurial journey myself, because I no longer have a huge corporation behind me to make things happen. You know, it's down to me now most of the time. Yes. Yes. You know, it's down to me most of the time. So I have to give up those perfectionist tendencies. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, for me was that I was still trying to measure my performance as if I was still in the still in the corporate world. But I don't have all the corporate trappings to help me get the performance I'm looking for. So you see that? how so how were you measuring your performance by the standards? of the? Corporate well, I think I'll be looking for the same results, the same speed of results. Uh, maybe the same level of results and stuff like that. But to get those results you did in the corporate world, you had a whole team behind you. You had a whole organization. You had, I don't say bottomless pit, but you had a much bigger budget than I have than I allowed myself. You know, it's not, it wasn't my, it wasn't, it wasn't my money back then. It's my money now, you know? So I had to learn, I had to definitely learn patience. I had to learn how to be patient myself and not be so hard on myself. So that's where the MacGyver mindset tends to come in a lot more because you were just trying to get the job done. What is the result you're trying to achieve? It's not going to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. It has mm -hmm. to get the job done, yes. you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I stop. I, I learned to slow it down a little bit and not have such high expectations of myself because you know you're at the top of the top of your game the corporate world you're in front of the board and you're giving all these fantastic figures how come I can't replicate that kind of performance in my own business wow <laughs> well yeah. the fact is you don't have everything you have you don't have the whole support network you had before right right it's a different business you're learning something new it's you it's me myself and I now you know <laughs> pretty much 
definitely, definitely. So this is probably a great question then. So because I know what I've had to learn. If you had to start over from scratch, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently, Kathy Ann? alluded it to it to it earlier I would have um not spent so much time thinking and planning and doing courses and I would I would learn as I go and it's yes. interesting to me I teach my students this and <laughs> when it comes to myself I don't practice that the way to do social science research is to really get involved in it mm. so from day one I embed them in planning a research project and so on and it's the same thing with with business because when we are put into a situation where we don't know what to do, yes, then we are stretched and we begin forming what psychologists call schemas in our mind about how to make this work. You're talking yeah. about the Mac MacGyver <laughs> mindset. <laughs> and once you form that schema in your mind, whether it is building a web website or doing a podcast or what have you, or how to actually write your book in spite of everything everybody yeah. has taught you. Once you create that schema in your mind, it is yours. Yes. It yeah. becomes part of your content, of, of your intellectual property, because you know in a way that somebody cannot teach you. Mm -hmm. And so I really wish I had started incrementally yeah. and just, just learned as I, as I went along. And also, as I said before, be be brave enough and courageous mm. enough to recognize that for the things that uh, there's some things that I can ask people to to do for me or I can hire somebody to do yeah. while I'm trying to really follow my calling uh, yeah so those are some of the things that I, I I would probably say I regret fabulous thank you for thank you for sharing that with us so let's go some happy happy thing a bit happier um so kathy i'm sharing this a success quote um or a mantra or something you use an affirmation that you use and why it's meaningful to you um i you know i i can't think of one that comes to mind readily but as i mentioned earlier this this quote by henry david Thoreau um, about living deliberately mm. and really learning to suck the marrow out of life. I really, that speaks to me. It, it's interesting. I'm from Trinidad in, in Caribbean culture. In Trinidad culture, I should say, um, people usually just really suck the marrow out <laughs> of their bones. Yes, I think it's Caribbean people in general because <laughs> you don't want to see me at dinner time. <laughs> imagery has really been meaningful to me yeah. that and to anybody listening if this is your life yes. regardless of what your parents might have instilled in you uh, you know are you going to go for this thing that calls to your heart yes and so that you know you would have laid it all out that's that's this that's my motivation that i would give everything to living that full intentional life so that I wouldn't have anything to regret when it comes time to die I would you know I did it I tried you know I gave it my all that really spurs me on 
Fabulous. Fabulous. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, so in a similar vein, if you could choose your own mentor, dead or alive, um, who would it be and why? Yes. There's so many to choose from. <laughs> I would say, and I know um, she is a bit of, some people really, really love her and some people really, really hate her. But I really admire Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. She has done such a tremendous job for being an influence for good mm -hmm. in the world. And also, especially at this point in her career, moving out of broadcasting television, yeah. setting up her own network. Yes. I am impressed by how she's able to pivot, to take on new technology, to do new things. I know she recently launched a membership plan yeah. Yeah. to to invite women to another way to get her magazines into their hands and to create this community and when when you see stories like that it, it mm -hmm. inspires us you know that that yeah. it's not too late that's another quote that I like it's not too late yeah. and you're not yeah. too old <laughs> absolutely that that you can do and also given her early beginnings and the challenges mm -hmm. she faced it really resonates with me yeah that she was able to rewrite her story yeah, according yeah. to a plot that she yeah. created and that she's yeah. still writing. Excellent. And so I would love a moment on her couch. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a queue ahead of you, though. <laughs> I'll bring you this. <laughs> it's funny, so yeah. So we're coming down to our last couple of questions, Kathy Ann, so we'll get you out of the hot seat. Um, what are three things you've learned about yourself during your career? Yes. So I, one of the things I've, I've learned is that the dreams that I had for myself were too small. And it's also an advice that I would give to anyone listening um, developmentally, we end up being products of the ecological spaces mm. that we are born into, the context in which we are raised. And mm. so uh, we, through almost no fault of our own, we come with these limits on ourselves. Yeah. And so one of the things I learned about myself is that my dreams were too small. Oh. And if I could go back, I would whisper in my ear, dream big. Yes. And then dream bigger and dream bigger. Uh, because I have come to to believe and accept that if you if you if you're passionate above about it enough and you're willing to do the work, mm. you can you can make it happen. Excellent. So so that's one of the things that I've learned that I'm still learning about right. myself. Keep dreaming and have bigger dreams. And I've learned that uh, I am, I can do more than I thought. Uh, and this is to, to all women out there to, we often, like I said, especially growing up in Caribbean culture, mm. the, the mindset was that you should not blow your own horn. Yes. Not <laughs> um, speak about your accomplishments. Let yeah. other people yeah. speak about that for you. Yeah. And I still, I do value the importance of humility and I don't wear my accomplishments as a badge, but I have recognized 
that especially in American culture, mm -hmm. you need to be able to articulate what you're good at and what you're capable yeah. of doing. You can't yeah. be a shrinking violet. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I would say you have to be prepared to take some of the repercussions that go with that. Some people will dislike you for it mm -hmm. or think that you are to this or to that. Yeah. But it's a, a skill set that you have to develop to survive and thrive in this context. And it's something um, constantly working <laughs> at. <laughs> And is there, is there a third one? You gave me two. Can we get two? Is there a third one? Third one? I, I probably can't. Remember. No, no, no worries. No worries. No worries. And I like what you said about that because um, I am probably the opposite of that, where <laughs> I refuse to be humble. And but I think that's because when I look at it and do my introspection, um, that's because I was the eldest of six and we're a big family. So if I had to speak up, if I wanted something, I wanted to be heard. And secondly, I most a lot of my career was spent in the sales environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you were measured by your sales success on a daily, weekly basis. And they always used to have a phrase that you were only as good as your last sale. Right. Yeah. So that was always in my head. So, you know, and the accolades always went to the person who did the best, who could talk, who could talk the most about what they've done and obviously demonstrate it as well. So I kind of come from that um, background where that's still a big driver for me. You know, did you, did you, I didn't get your background, Janice. Did you grow up in the Caribbean? No, I grew up and no, I grew up in the UK. I grew up in the UK. I live in the Caribbean, have lived out here for the past 10 years, but a Caribbean parentage, first generation immigrant. So again, the success, one of the things I talk about, especially for black women is that, Often the, me the, the, the your parents' success, the measure of your parents' success is how successful their children are right. in a lot of families, you know, and that for us as women, especially as black women, you know, we, our parents will measure their success on how much they pour into us and what we bring back for their bragging rights, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's not about us. It's not about us. You know, it's all about how, you know, how they, how they can, how, how they measure their success, which can be a good or a bad thing. Um, but I think when it comes to looking at, and um, this is the thing I've been working on, when it comes to looking at career pivoting for women or transitioning for women, you know, that's the first thing we, we often deal with the fact that, you know, we don't see it as being successful. How can we be successful if we're not doing what our parents deemed Yes. was success right. you know so so it's an interest it's an in, it's an interesting para interesting paradigm or interesting situation um to to, to to be in but um but that was where i you know that for me was where i grew, grew up in the in, in the uk um and also i think in, in growing up in the uk as well and i was digressing a little bit on the podcast is that you know i was always raised to be 10 times better than my white white counterpart same thing here, same thing. You know, thing that here. was inbred. That was, you know, you heard that daily. Don't make them get better than you. Don't make them pass you. Don't make them tell you you can't do something, you know? So it was that. So I think that is all has always been there. It's always been a bit of an internal driver for me, that quest to be the best, you know? So, um, yeah, difficult to get by. And, I, and I'm, you can see my challenge of having to learn patience with myself. <laughs> 
Janice, two, some things you said actually reminded me of two things. So one, you, when I said three things I learned about myself, yeah. uh, about leadership, the third one came back to me and then uh, something else about the pivot. So the third thing I learned about myself, thinking about what you said, is that my accomplishments, uh, they are so much more than for me. Mm. And I think in the early phase, really, it's about proving to yourself and to myself that this girl who was abandoned by a mother, she yeah. can, she can do this, yes. she can accomplish, yes. right? Yes. Um, but then I recognize, I, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly when the turn came, but you begin to realize that this is so much bigger than you. It's not mm. about you at all. It is a responsibility that comes and it's heavy. It's a heavy weight, right? A responsibility, which is, I think, probably what's propelling you to do this podcast and, and so on. A responsibility to give back to those who have invested in you. And so whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, that that's there mm -hmm. and that drives you. It drives me because I remember my father driving his taxi up and down the road, taking those crumpled yeah. dollar bills so he could invest in my education. Yeah. And so I have a responsibility um, with the robe and everything to give back and to do mm -hmm. and, 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 and to, mm -hmm. to help others along the way. And that's one of the things I have learned that I didn't really think about, yeah. you know, it was yes. about accomplishing. Yes. 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 <laughs> it was about doing, but, but it's a very big part of my life now. And then the other thing was uh, when you mentioned, what do I regret or what, yeah. I'm, what am I fearful of? Yes. And you talked about your parents and success being, if you're doing what your parents uh, yes. <laughs> had in mind for you. I think one of the things that I've been hesitant to acknowledge to myself, but again, this is getting to know yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's just how much our titles mean to us. Oh my goodness. And yes. to the people around yes. us. Yes. And yes. So if I'm not Dr. Kathy Ann Hernandez, professor of organizational leadership at Eastern University, who, who am, am I? I? Yeah. And there is an added burden that comes from being a black immigrant woman, yes. because sometimes those titles yes. are a part of what allows us to get through doors. Yeah. And so I am still in the space of thinking about what that means to yeah. me and how I'm going to yeah. navigate that. But yeah. what I'd like to suggest to women who are look, looking on is I always thought, oh, you know, I just had the mindset that I had to give it all up. But I think a, a, a smarter way, a more strategic way is to use this platform to move from A to B. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 can, you don't have to burn your bridges behind you. Yeah. And um, just look at some like J.K. Rowling. She wrote the Harry Potter book when she was a waitress. Then you have mm -hmm. the Kite Runner, the author of the Kite Runner. He wrote his great book when he was practicing medicine. Mm -hmm. And so you can be strategic in planning yeah. out how you want to make that yeah. transition. You know, uh, and I know we're going to digress a little bit. This is a great conversation, by the way. <laughs> but when you talk about that, I had a very, I suppose I had that, that whole the, the title thing and things like that. Who am I? It was a very poignant. As I said, I, I became, I became the first CEO to head up a telecoms industry here in Antigua. So with that title, as you know, on a small island, Caribbean island, everybody wants to know who you are because you have this title and this perceived prestige. 
Yes. And when I decided that this, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. This is my huge pivot now. I'd already, I'd already moved countries, but this seemed like an even bigger pivot, leaving my job at the height of my career. The I probably could have heard crickets after I'd left because nobody wants to know you anymore because you didn't have anything. Yes. Or there's nothing they perceive that a value you could give them anymore because you didn't have access to credit, to a free phones or to the network. You couldn't sort out their problems because you well, not for a longer time after that. But, you know, there was a there, there was a it's not sometimes you. That's the label or, or the title. It's what it brings. Absolutely. You know, and, and once I was comfortable, thinking, you know, well, I know you only wanted me for that and I am not that. It was really, it was, it, one, it was a relief not to have to have to be in that title anymore because of what people want demanded of me. And secondly, I was, I, and I was totally cognizant that you only wanted to know me because of that. Yes. And that's with being honest, as you said, in re- introspection, not getting caught up in the title because it's not you they want. It's Absolutely. the title. Because the next person to step in that title, they would say, oh, who, Janice who? You know, they've gone, <laughs> they've moved on. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was a one, yeah, it was a, it was a very poignant situation, very poignant position for me to be in to realize, yeah. okay, I accept that. You know, it could have gone a different way. I could have totally lost my, who I was, yeah. but I knew who I was. Right. And that title didn't define who I was. And, and so Janice, uh, what you say resonates me, with me so much because I, I am, I, you know, I, I, I feel as though I, I am so above titles and all of that. I'm like, well, I, you know, whatever. But I think we need to recognize, don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. Yeah. in that. That is, that is a kind of capital. If you want to start a business, having a platform is a source of capital. Yeah. And my husband, he's a CPA, so he thinks in this corporate <laughs> way. And he said, it's a platform. Yeah. So if you are thinking about doing a pivot, whoever you are, how can you, while you're still over here, use yes. that platform, Absolutely. use that network, use those connections yes. to, to move you over yeah. here. Don't yeah. just, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. you have you have done a lot of work to create this, and this is a value. Yeah. So don't totally discount it as you're ready to make your pivot. Yeah. Definitely, and networking. And I, I just had a conversation earlier today, and someone said the one thing they weren't very good at doing was honing their network. And yeah. um, you know, and and I think the the good thing about that is that you network with people who actually want to know who you are, not the position, the title. And there are people out there, but you just have to put a little bit of effort into it to identify who those, who those are, you know? Absolutely. So, so yes. Absolutely. So great conversation, Kathy. And my last, last question for you now, my last question, because we could be here for hours. We could be here, here, here for hours. What does success feel like to you? That's such a very um, profound question. I, as I, I have said repeatedly, I think at different stages of our life journey, we're called to be different things. Yes. So part of, of being successful is being attuned to who you are and what you're being called to do at this particular time and living in congruence with that. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, success is to more fully accept that calling at different seasons in my life 
and to embrace it with with all my fears and all my uncertainties <laughs> with high intention and great effort. I really believe, um, you know, you hear about people who made it. I my experience has been that you've got to put in the work. Yes, you've got to put in the work. work. So high intention and great effort to really maximize the gifts and the opportunities that I have been given mm -hmm. to to benefit others, to be true to myself, to benefit others. Um, yeah, so that when it come time to die, I would not find that I've spent my time doing things <laughs> that, that weren't really that important after excellent. all. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So that was my official last question. But if people want to get to know, get to get hold of you, connect with you or know more about your book, Hathion, how can they do that? Oh, sure. So uh, part of this, this pivot is I founded a lifestyle brand called Value What Matters. And I have a website, I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, you can find me at Dr. H, Value What Matters, and uh, my book is available on Amazon. I'm also in the process of planning a spiritual retreat, which I will have more details on, on my website, valuewhatmatters.com, and my Facebook page, and that's going to be the end of October. Excellent. And I would love for you to, whoever you're listening to visit. <laughs> Fabulous. I'll be sure to put all the links in the show notes. so Everybody has access to that. So Dr. Kathy Ann Hernandez, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been a fabulous conversation. It has. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. <laughs> thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. And as I said, it was a great conversation. There were so many takeaways for me. But the biggest thing I think that Kathy Ann that resonated with me that she left with me was unlearning old paradigms. And the fact is that growing up, um, as, as we as we go through the world, there are lots of things we believe we have to conform to. There are lots of things we were told that we have to do that we should be doing. And there's such hard work in one of the key things I say we have to do when it comes to working is on learning is, you know, on learning those old para parado paradigms, because there's just as much benefit in on learning that, because when we don't or when we carry on those old paradigms we used we used to have they're ineffective, they're irrelevant, they no longer serve a purpose, especially if we want to be going forward when it comes to our career. And yes, those paradigms have probably served us well um, over the years, so worked, certainly worked well for our parents or whoever told us. But as we're changing, as we're moving forward, then we have to let go of those things that are potentially holding us back from where we want to go in our careers next. So, Doing some research, I found there were some quick three tips, should I say, three tips that a Mark Bonchek, uh, founder of Shift Thinking, recommended to unlearn, so how you can unlearn. So the first one he says is recognize that the old paradigms are obsolete. Yes, it sounds simple, but it can be difficult since we, we, we may be unconscious to the fact that we're living these paradigms. You know, it's the things we do naturally, like fish are swimming. They just know what to do. And even if we do notice them, it can still be hard to admit it because that could mean starting over and giving up control over the knowledge that we once had. 
The second thing was find or create a new archetype that can be better than that can better achieve your goals that can help you achieve your goals you can start with um shifting the changing language saying you know i believe instead of i wish or i can instead of, i'll try those shifting language that shift in mindset you know simple as it sounds can have such a profound impact on where you're going next in your career and really have a major change on your mindset and then lastly, the third thing he says is be patient. Unlearning is not a linear process. So even when you think you're not gaining ground, you actually are. So be patient with yourself. And I tell my clients that a lot when they're doing this transition. Look, it took you years to get where you are right now in your career. Just because you woke up that morning and said, I want to change, doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. So you really have to be patient to unlearn all the things you've been doing in the past that served you well, probably served you well to get you where you are right now, to learn the new things, to allow growth, the new things that you want to take ahead for your future. So, so progress requires, you know, all that career progress, that career change requires learning and unlearning. And, you know, to become the best version of ourselves, we have to be completely editing our beliefs, our beliefs and updating them to fit the changing times or perspectives. So if you want help with that, don't forget, you can always join me on my monthly program changing careers without the financial fear it's a five day program i run it every month and it's amazing it's just five days but it's amazing what you actually can get out of it in just that five day period we touch on mindset changes we touch on how how you can review the value that you see in yourself. We talk about who do you need to talk to when it comes to those all important changes. And we also look at what's important to you. What are your non-negotiables going forward in your career? Now, as I said, it's a five day program I'm running every month. It's free, absolutely free, but it's a great start to help you if you're considering changing your career, especially if you're a woman of color and you're over 40 thinking, what now? next what do I do next where do I go how do I find that support just head over to my website janissutherland.com it'll flash up you'll just register and I'll take you on board for the next program as I said it runs monthly so and I really can't wait to see you there can't wait to have you there and help you on your next career transition because remember if I can, you can, this woman can take care until next time.